Good morning, uh, New Beginnings Church. As Graham has said, my name's Harry, and it's great to be with you this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, please do open it up. And this morning we'll be reading from Psalm 23. Psalm uh, 23. This, of course, was written by King David, and it's a well-known and well-loved psalm. Probably most of us might even know it off by heart. Psalm 23. This is the word of God. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'll just quickly pray and then we'll look at uh, God's word together. Heavenly Father, and we thank you for this wonderful psalm, how it brings us great hope and assurance and comfort, Lord. And I just pray that as I unpack it now, I just pray that you empower me by your spirit, that you speak through me and that you encourage each one listening, Father. We just pray that you'll be glorified through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, as I begin this morning, I'd just like to begin uh, by stating a number of facts. The Christian is the most blessed person amongst all of his peers. He may not have all this world has to offer, but yet he is the richest. He may not be where he wants to be, and yet he is in the best place he could be. He may be in danger, and yet he is the safest of all. And he has the happiest future beyond all imagination. The Christian is like a baby who has just inherited the throne as king. All he knows is his cot and his toys, and yet he's the richest in the land. He is vulnerable and needs to be looked after, and yet he's the safest and most um, guarded person there is. And all he cares about is his mother's milk and his toys, and yet he has the brightest future ahead of him. Now, how can I say these things? I can say these things because Psalm uh, 23 is in our Bibles. In this Psalm, King David is describing the relationship he has with God. And he tells of God's unending kindness towards him. David uses two pictures uh, to describe this. In verses one to four, he uses the imagery of a shepherd and a sheep. And then in verses five and six, he uses the imagery of a host and his guest. And so in this Psalm uh, this morning, we see that God provides. He protects, 
he guides, he cares, he's generous, and his love is unending. But all of this is, is based and founded on one thing. And this is found in verse 1. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so the first thing we notice then in this psalm is that the Lord is David's shepherd. And that is because of this, because the Lord is his shepherd, that everything else is true in this psalm. It is because Yahweh, which is the name of God represented by the capitalized Lord in our translations, Yahweh is his shepherd, the God of all the earth. The one is the one who provides for him and, and protects him and guides him. And so because this is true, everything else he writes is true. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because of this, therefore that. It's basic logic. He has God. What more does he need? God is his shepherd. And so everything else is taken care of. David himself was a shepherd, wasn't he? And no doubt before he became king, he experienced the relationship with his sheep that he now experiences with God as king. And so he knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And in the same way that he looked after his sheep, God looks after him. But in that, in that, in that short phrase, there is such comfort and security. And as one author helpfully, um, helpfully points out, there is also a great intimacy. Just how a shepherd is, is close to his sheep and he looks after them, even in the night, uh, he would sleep beside his sheep and protect them from the wolves. In the same way, God is close and intimate with his sheep. He knows them by name. He calls them out one by one. In the Middle East, the, the shepherds would spend all their time with the sheep in, back in the time of David. Bible times. It's not like today where we keep them in barns or in, a, or in a field, but the shepherd would be with his sheep and they would follow their shepherd and he would lead them to grass and to water. And this is the imagery that is used by Jesus, isn't it, in the Gospel of John, where he says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they follow him. But what's even greater than all that's been said so far is that that shepherd came. And he took a human body and he laid down his life for the sheep so that they may know this intimacy with him and so that they may be his sheep. So that the child of God can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said these words in John 10, 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his, his life for the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. Of course, God in all his being is the believer, shepherd, father, son, spirit, the triune God. But as we look at the New Testament, we see that Jesus is called the shepherd multiple times. In Hebrews 13, verse 20, he is called the great shepherd. And in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, he is called the chief shepherd. And so just before we go any further into this psalm, we must consider the question of all questions. And that is, do you know him this morning? Do you know the great shepherd? 
Is Jesus your shepherd? Have you been found by him and brought into the fold of God? Or are you still like a lost sheep without a shepherd? If so, then come and put your trust in him. Call upon him to save you and to bring you into the fold. Because as we are about to see, this shepherd is the best shepherd we could ever have. And to reject him is the height of absurdity. And if God is your shepherd, then everything we see in this song this morning is true of you. Just how he did all these things for David, he does and will do for you. And so the first thing we see then is that he provides for his sheep. God provides for his sheep. David writes in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so firstly, we see that he provides for his sheep's physical needs, such as food and drink and all that they need. In the Middle East, a place where grass and water are not easy to come by at times because of the hot climate, the, the task of the shepherd was to lead his sheep to grass and to water. They would follow him and he would find for them all that they need to survive. And in the same way, David is saying that God provides for him just how a shepherd, a shepherd provides for his flock. But this verse also gives a, a picture of safety as the sheep lies down in, in pasture and as it's led beside still waters instead of rough waters. God provides for his flock and not for their physical needs only, not for their safety only, but also for their spiritual needs. As the phrase in verse 3 uh, points to, it says, he restores my soul. Now this can either mean he strengthens me afresh or invigorates me physically, or it could mean a spiritual restoring and, and refreshing. And the, and the great thing is either one is true because both are the task of our great shepherd. And so whether David felt weak physically or drained spiritually, God was the one to restore him and keep him going in the faith to which he had called him. And the final way we see that God provided for David was through guidance. Just how a shepherd would guide his sheep to safety and keep them on the right path. So God guided David. He writes at the end of verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So God was the one who guided King David and he led him in paths of righteousness. God didn't just save his sheep and leave them to wander aimlessly, but he guides them. And he does this, notice it says, for his own namesake. We could also, we, we, we could translate that as for his own glory. He doesn't save his sheep and guide them for their namesake or for their glory, but rather he does it for his own glory. And this gives us great assurance of his faithfulness. For his name is on the line, and for his namesake, he will guide us in paths of righteousness. I guess we can use a similar picture of a mother duckling. She leads her chicks to safety, to water, she feeds them, and she guides them. Except the one who does this for the people of God is not a mother duckling, but is almighty God. The one for whom nothing is impossible. 
the one who spoke and all things came into existence. This is the provider and the guide of the Christian. If the Lord is your shepherd because Jesus is your saviour, then everything that David declares is true of himself, is true of you too. The one who governs all things is your provider. Just how he provides for the birds of the air, so he will provide for you. I once watched a documentary about the church in China, and there was an old Christian lady sharing about how when she was younger, God had provided for her and her family in quite a, a miraculous way. It was during a time of great persecution and her husband had been put into prison for being a Christian. And so she was left on her own to look after her young children with no money, no job, and soon no food. But she prayed for God to provide. And each morning she would open her door and she would find a bag of rice on her doorstep, which an anonymous person would leave. The great shepherd provides for his sheep. He will also give you strength and help you to keep going, both physically and spiritually. Just how he restores David, so he restores all of his sheep. And he will also guide you. Maybe you're wondering about what you should do in a certain situation, where you should live, where you should work. We can trust that God has saved us and that he has a plan, and that his plan is perfect, and that his plan will come to pass. And so he will make clear his will in his own timing. We have to trust his guiding hand just like a sheep trusts the guidance of his shepherd and follows wherever he leads. But not only does the shepherd provide, as David declares, but he also protects. God protects his sheep. And we see this in verse 4. In this verse, we see the circumstance, we see David's response, and we see the reason why. The circumstance is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And this possibly refers to the dark valleys there were in, in the desert, which the shepherds would have to walk through at the risk of robbers and dangerous animals hiding in the shadows. But they have to go through these valleys to get to the water and the grass. Now, some take this to mean uh, troubles and trials, this phrase, uh, the valley of the shadow of death. But others take it to mean literally death itself. But either are possible, and both are circumstances where God is with his sheep, and they do not need to fear. And the reason why is because God is with him. He writes, for you are with me. And he then continues, doesn't he, the, the shepherd imagery. So he, he doesn't fear these trials because God is with him. And now he expands upon that with, with this imagery. And he speaks of his shepherd's rod and staff comforting him. The shepherd would have a rod or a club. He would use for warding off attackers and dangerous animals. And the staff would be for his own support as he walked, but also to help the sheep get free, say that it got stuck. He would either hook it around its neck or put it under its belly to stabilize the sheep so it can get free. 
and, it, and in a way they they both brought comfort uh, to the sheep as the rod brought safety from danger and the staff stability and guidance and it was also a reminder of the shepherd's presence as he as he walks ahead of them god was with him and so he didn't need to fear trial or even death itself god was with king david the victorian baptist minister uh, charles spurgeon he highlights the difference that god's presence makes when he shares in his autobiography uh, two people who died when he was called to to be by their side in, in the same morning so they were both dying and in the same morning he was called to one and he was called to the other after and he, he he writes this one was a man who who didn't know god he rejected him all his life he mocked spurgeon and called him a hypocrite and spurgeon writes this he says i spoke again but the only what the, the only consciousness he had was a foreboding of terror mingled with stupor of approaching death that man spurgeon goes on to say that he he died he died with no hope and with no shepherd to guide him home but spurgeon also records the death of a believer who he visited that same morning one who could say the lord is my shepherd he writes i went home and was soon called away again that time to see a young woman she was also in the last extremity but it was a fair fair sight she was singing though she knew she was dying and telling her brothers and sisters to follow her to heaven bidding goodbye to her father and all the while smiling as if it had been her marriage day she was happy and blessed he then concludes with these words he says i never saw more conspicuously in my life than i did that morning the difference there is between the one who fears god and the one who does not fear him the difference between the one who has the lord as his shepherd and the one who is shepherdless and in the same way that david wasn't afraid for god was with him and that woman wasn't afraid of death neither was she afraid of, of what may come because the lord was her shepherd neither do we need to be afraid whatever may be taking place in our life or in the future we need not fear because god is with us even if we die god is with us he is our shepherd he will guide us through trials his presence with, is with us and nothing can separate us from him the apostle paul writes at the end of romans 8 who shall separate us from the love of christ and this is a rhetorical question and he then lists all these circumstances persecution tribulation famine and so on and he says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us nothing can separate us from the love of christ we don't need to fear what life may bring because our shepherd is with us providing for us guiding us protecting us and so whatever does happen we can be sure of two things whatever happens in our life we can be sure of two things god is with us and god has a plan god is with us and god has a plan in the same way that a shepherd would lead his sheep through dangerous territory to get to green pastures and still water so god leads us through trials and even death so that good may come romans 8 28 says this and we know for 
And we know that all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purposes. And so when we hear the bad news from work or the bank or from the doctor, we can say along with King David, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. God is our shepherd and we trust him and we trust his plan. And so we see that God is the best shepherd there is and he is the best shepherd without a doubt. And this shepherd came in the person of Jesus and he laid down his life for the sheep. But we also see in the remaining two verses that God is the best host. In these two verses, King David, he changes his, his imagery now from a shepherd to a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, from a shepherd and his sheep to a host and his guest. In these remaining verses, we really see God's care and goodness. David begins in verse five by saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This signifies that even in the midst of danger, God still provides for those that are his. The picture is that of a host putting on a huge spread for his guests, even as his enemies look on in envy and jealousy and anger. And the picture continues and it expresses the sheer generosity and kindness of God. He says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This, of course, is referring to Middle Eastern customs where the host would pour oil on the head of his guests. And he would fill his cup until it's overflowing down the sides to show his kindness and his generosity uh, towards his guest. And again, this is symbolic of God's care. One author writes, the cup handed at feasts was designed to cheer the guests. The Lord can give gladness in the hour of darkness, even though his enemies surround him and trouble is on every side. Or, or, or the storms are present, yet. God is good, and still he cares for him. And then we come to the final, what I believe is one of the best verses in the psalm. And it's verse 6, and it says, Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this verse, we come face to face with God's everlasting love and faithfulness. Notice he begins with the word surely, as if to say, because of what's already been said and has already come to pass, surely God will continue to show his goodness and mercy forever. It's the same logic that the Apostle Paul uses in Romans 8 when he says, he who did not spare, spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, will he not also freely give us all things? Because of what God has already done, David can be sure that God's mercy and goodness shall follow all the days of his life. God is unchanging. And if he has shown mercy and goodness to someone, it's because he intends to do so forever and David will know God's presence forever in this life 
and in the next. And of course, this is expressed by the final phrase. It says that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not only would he worship God and know his presence whilst he's on earth and he visited the tabernacle, but for all eternity, David would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is no doubt that this verse is pointing to a greater reality, one which is reserved for those who can say the Lord is my shepherd. David not only knew God's goodness and mercy whilst he was on earth, but he also looked forward to the day that he would be in God's immediate presence and he would never stop knowing the care of his shepherd. There's a song about looking forward to heaven and it says these words. It says, I am a poor wayfaring stranger while traveling through this world of woe. Yet there's no sickness, toil or danger in that right world to which I go. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going there no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I know dark clouds will gather round me. I know my way is rough and steep, but golden fields lie out before me where God's redeemed shall ever sleep. I'm going there to meet my mother. She said she'd meet me when I come. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I'll soon be free from every trial. My body is asleep in the churchyard. I'll drop the cross of self-denial and, en and enter on my great reward. I'm going there to see my saviour, to praise his name forevermore. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. This is the hope and the certain reward of every Christian. Everything that has been said in this song, from God's provision, to his guidance, to his protection and comfort even through trial, right through to heaven itself. We look forward to the world that is to come, that is not made with hands. And it shall be ours because we can say along with King David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not fear. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All these things a Christian can say because they have God as their shepherd and he is the best shepherd and they have God as their host and he is the best host. And so as I uh, finish, I just want to finish where I started. And that is with the question, do you know him? Do you know this shepherd? Is he your shepherd? If so, then you are happy and blessed like that lady who died smiling like it was her wedding day. But if not, then, then you're in danger and your worst is yet to come. But there is hope. Call out to this shepherd and, and, and call upon him to, to save you. Put your trust in Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life to save sinners. The Lord is my shepherd. I wonder, is he, is he yours this morning?
Amen. I'll just close in a word of prayer and hand back over to Greg. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing goodness towards us. We thank you that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd, to come to earth, to lay down his life for us, that we may know you, so that we may have a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that not only do you save us, but you care for us, you guide us, you protect us, and one day we'll be with you for all eternity. Thank you that we find this so clearly revealed in your word and in this psalm. And I just pray for each of us listening, Lord, that you'll encourage us. Pray for Bob there in his hospital bed. Strengthen him and encourage him. And may he be able to say with all his heart, I will not fear, for you are with me. May you know your presence with him in his very moment. May you be encouraging him, Lord, and strengthening him, Father. And I just pray for any listening who maybe uh, do not know you as of yet, Lord, who are yet outside of the fold of God. I just pray, Lord, that you'll be speaking to them, drawing them to Jesus and opening their eyes to their need for him and to be in the fold of God. Just pray, Lord, for your blessing upon this church. Do continue to build your church and may you be glorified as they continue to serve you there in Moody'sburg. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.